Well, like I said, I am glad that you are here. I'm glad to see you, and I'm fired up today. Um, I got a fortune cookie uh, <laughs> last week that has brightened my year, I think. I'm just still trying to figure out what it means, but it said, if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure that out still. What is it? And then when I figure out what it is, if, there's that other I word, right? So I'm thinking it's the hair. So I'm just, I'm going to go into 2019 with confidence and just flaunt it. So, happy new year. How many are, are looking forward to a new year, right? Uh, a lot of you, maybe. Or is it more like you're just glad 2018's over, right? Um, how many of you do resolutions? All right, some of you do that each and every year. A lot of us do that. I quit doing that because uh, I don't like to fail. You know, I went to bed at 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve. You know, I stopped watching the, the ball drop because I'm reminded of every time I dropped the ball the previous year. So, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't make New Year's resolutions, you know, because they're in one year and out the other. All right, enough of those. Are y'all here this morning? Okay, 9.30. I know it's 30 minutes earlier than last week, but come on. Hey, it's good to have goals, though, right? Let's, let's drop the words resolutions and just call it goals. It's good to have goals. Um, it's good to have things to work on, to improve on. It, it's good to want to better our life. In different ways, and in a few weeks, we're going to begin a series called Reset, where we're going to talk about those things. I'm real excited about that series coming up. I've been thinking about it and praying about it and planning it out. But for now, we're going to continue in Miraculous. You know, what's miraculous is this series keeps going, right? That's, <laughs> is this ever going to end? But man, I'm excited about today. How many have this goal this year, this goal right here, to look more like Jesus? Right. Uh, you know, if we're honest, the first thing in our minds for 2019 probably may not be that. But we know that we need to look more like Jesus. This should be the main goal for every Christian, to become more like the one in whom our faith is based upon. And after today, I hope you will see that, and I hope that you will understand that a little bit better. So last week we looked at the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to die. That's where we, we settled last week. But Jesus didn't just come to die and that's it, right? Uh, that's the end. You see, his death was only part of God's plan of redemption. He, he came to conquer sin by dying, but also included in this plan was his mission to conquer death itself. You see, And so what we're going to look at today is the culmination of God's plan, the resurrection. And what that means for us and how important that is. And I know you know that, but we're going to proclaim that today. We're going to celebrate that. And I don't remember, I don't know about you, I just thought about this. I don't remember ever going through a, a set of sermons, consecutive weeks, where we talk about the birth, the death, and the resurrection, three weeks in a row. How awesome is that? 
It's been a privilege to be able to go through these last few weeks with you because Jesus has been glorified each and every week. So I want to pull the main passage passage comes from the Gospels, from Matthew. And we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus and then we'll discuss a few things. All right. So Jesus had been crucified. Jesus was killed. He was placed in a tomb. I know a lot of times we say buried, but he was more like placed in a tomb. And the scriptures tell us that some ladies were around when Jesus was crucified. They saw him as they were taking him to the tomb. So they knew where he was buried. And on on that Sunday morning, you see, they had to wait. They had to wait to go see him because of the Sabbath day. Right? Things were really, really hectic on Friday. And then Saturday was the Sabbath. They had to wait. So early Sunday morning, they went to do the customary thing of preparing the body for burial. And I want you to understand this. They went with every expectation to find Jesus dead. Because where did they go? To the tomb. And what were they carrying? The things that they needed to place on his body, on a dead person's body. They went with every intention of finding Jesus still in the grave. That was their plan for that day. As the women approach the tomb, they, they find the aftermath of what had happened early that morning. And the gospel tells us that there, an, there was an angel that came down and there was a great earthquake and that all the guards that were placed around the tomb were, were uh, so fearful that they passed out like dead men, you see. The, the women approach this and they, they walk up after all this has happened And as they approach, they see the angel sitting on on this stone, the large stone that had been rolled away. And why was the angel there? You ever thought about that? Why was the angel even there? You know, did Jesus need the angel? No, he he was there for one reason. He was waiting on the women. Waiting. Do you think the women could have approached the tomb with the guards there? Do you think the women could have went inside the tomb with the stone there? I tell you, Jesus wasn't there when the angel was there. Jesus was gone before. He was waiting on the women, and an angel simply means messenger, and messengers are always sent with a what? Message. A message. He was sent by God to give the women a message. Now let's dive into this message. Matthew 28, 5. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know. You see that? I know. He knew that. He was sent because he knew what the women were doing. He knew they were coming. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Look at this. Come and see. The place where he lay. Then go and quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. You see that? It's like I've done my part. Now I'm done. I've given the message. Now I'm finished. And both times he told the women he has risen. That was the message for them. And then what did he say? You go and tell the others the same message. He has 
risen. Jesus' body wasn't missing. It, it had not been taken, but that it had risen from the dead. And what a message. From that moment right there, everything changed. Uh, Jesus coming in a manger in Bethlehem, what surprised everybody, didn't it? Surprised the world. Jesus' life and ministry, we talked about this last week, it turned the world upside down. Jesus' death shook the world, literally, right? But Jesus' resurrection, which shook the world too, it changed the world for eternity. The resurrection changed the world. That message that the angel brought instantly, instantly, began to change the world and it hasn't stopped since. What a message. Christ has risen. Jesus is alive. You know, last week we got to proclaim the death of Christ. And this week we get to proclaim the resurrection of Christ. And I don't know about you, but that's a good way to start off a year. Right? So, the rest of our time together, I want to talk about what happened at the resurrection. What happened? What did the resurrection cause? What is the result of Jesus rising from the dead? What does Jesus rising from the dead ultimately mean for every, everyone? All right. First thing, Jesus' life and ministry were validated. Jesus' life and ministry were validated. This is so important. Because of the resurrection, Jesus is who he said he was. Right? And his ministry was validated. It was authentic. It was authenticated. It was real because of the resurrection. You know, uh, I know most of us are familiar with Mac McClung from Gate City. You know, now at Georgetown. And some of you may have had an opportunity to watch him play back when he was playing at Gate City and, and things like that, playing in southwest Virginia. And he was good in high school, wasn't he? And I even said, you know, this guy's good. But I wasn't sure how he would do in Division One, And I really wasn't sure how he would do at a Division One school like Georgetown. I mean, you know, Allen Iverson, Alonzo Mourning, Patrick Ewing, those, those greats, how is this guy going to do? I really had my doubts. You know, this, this guy's good, but this is a whole different ballgame, so to speak. But did you know that he broke the freshman record for points in a single game a couple weeks ago? 38 points in a single game? And after that, I remember thinking, well, boy, I was wrong. This guy is the real deal. Now, we'll see how it goes, but <laughs> he proved me wrong. He is the real deal. Look, because Jesus rose from the dead, we know he was the real deal. He is the real deal, and it validated everything that he did, everything that he said because of the resurrection. It did that. I don't know if you picked up on this in the angel's message, but look at Matthew 28, 6. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. You see that? Now, I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus predicted that he would rise from the dead. He predicted that. This isn't on the screen, but John 2.19, after Jesus is um, talking with some people, he, he's really having a conversation back and forth with, with some people, and Jesus looks at the religious leaders and says, destroy this temple. And it will be rebuilt in three days. 
He did this many times. He talked about his death. He talked about his resurrection many times. He knew it would happen. And when we think about it, he was God in the flesh, right? So he knew it would take place, and he knew his plan wouldn't fail. And look, not only did he predict his resurrection, but he predicted his own betrayal. He predicted his own arrest. He predicted his own mistreatment. He predicted his own suffering. He predicted his own death, how it would happen, you see. And he even predicted how long he would be in the grave. Yeah, the resurrection proved that Jesus was the Christ, the Lord, the Son of God. All that was validated. It was proven authentic because of the resurrection. And what's funny is that on many different occasions, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus was accused of being a heretic, a lunatic, a false prophet, a crazy man, a drunk man, and listen to this, even a man possessed by the devil. The resurrection proved otherwise, didn't it? Jesus wasn't crazy. And guess what that means for us? We ain't crazy either. (laughs) Hey, I just made some of y'all's year. I mean, I'm just... You're not crazy. Aren't you glad you come to church today? But look, this gives us confidence in our faith, doesn't it? The resurrection gives us confidence in in what we believe. Because we have confidence in who Jesus was and who he says he was. We can look at the things that Jesus taught and say, hey, that's true. Just because he said them. We could look at the things Jesus did and say, man, that's right, just because he did them. The resurrection is the very reason for our faith, but it's also the reason we can have confidence in our faith. Well, the next thing the resurrection means is that Jesus' work on the cross was proven absolute. Jesus' work on the cross was proven absolute. The resurrection gave meaning to the cross. You see, without the resurrection, Jesus would have just been another man that died on a cross. Tragic? Yes. Significant? No. Sad? Yes. Meaningful? No. You see, the Romans executed millions of people on a cross. Millions. Without the resurrection, Jesus would have just been another one of those in the mix. A nobody. Thrown thrown into that. A a stat. If there was no resurrection, the cross would be insignificant. Don't believe me? Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Well, that is so important. Without the resurrection, you would be crazy. We would be crazy to believe in Jesus without the resurrection. You wouldn't be a Christian, you would be a cult member when you think about it. And even more importantly, without the resurrection, Paul said that we would still be under the control, under the power of sin without the resurrection. Why? Why is that? If the cross paid for my sin, 
Why would we st- still be under the power of sin without the resurrection? Because of this. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he wasn't who he said he was. He wasn't the Son of God. Therefore, his death didn't do anything for our sin. You see, the resurrection brings meaning to the cross. Thank God that wasn't the case. Because of the resurrection, the cross has meaning. The resurrection sealed the work of the cross. The resurrection proved that Jesus, that what he did on the cross was real. It was real. The resurrection verified the cross. You know, some of you may be in school, college, things like that. I finished many years of school last year. And I have, I have several of these things, diplomas. I know a lot of you do too. And what do you do with diplomas? Most of you. You know, frame them and hang them up. Why? It's not that you really want to brag on yourself or show off, but you want to you prove that you accomplished something. It's a visual image of hard work that you accomplished. right? And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I get turned around so bad... I just need to look back and say, oh, thank you, God, for bringing me through that. Thank you, God, that was such a tough time. I thought I was going to give up, but you brought me through. Sometimes I do that, you see. Diplomas prove that your work was valid, doesn't it? The empty tomb proved that Jesus' work on the cross was valid. It was the visual image that proved the work. It was the evidence of the accomplishment, you see. Listen, the resurrection gives us confidence in what? Our salvation. How many of you need that? Confidence in our salvation. Not only can we look at the life of Jesus with confidence, we can look at our salvation with confidence. You want to know something about that one cross? That one cross was special. Out of all those millions of crosses, that one was powerful, was special. We can know that what Jesus did on Calvary was real, that he did die for sin, and that because of his death in my place, I am saved. And we can rest in that truth. We can rest in that. So Jesus' death on the cross canceled our debt of sin, but Jesus rising from the dead is what positioned us to be able to have a new life with God, which, which leads us to the next truth. Regarding the resurrection, Jesus' victory over death gives us hope of eternal life. You know, our sin is paid for by Jesus' work on the cross, right? But it gets better. Who likes better? Anybody else like better? You know, you like the extra discount at the store, the the coupon that you find and things like that. The Christmas present that you find two weeks later still in the corner somewhere. See, it gets, it gets better. The resurrection gives us hope of eternal life with God. And it's not just like hope. That's a loaded word, isn't it? Hope. It's not just hope as in wishful thinking. You know, we hope for a lot of things. Maybe you're hoping for a lot of things this year. Maybe your job will get better. Maybe you'll find a job. Maybe your health will get better. Maybe your family relationships will get better. Maybe your marriage will get better. You're hoping for those things. I'm still holding out hope that my hair will grow. <laughs> you see. All of, the, all of those things are good hopes to have. 
but none of them are guaranteed. Right? You might be able to do some things to, to help along the way, to influence the outcome, maybe. None of them are guaranteed. Our hope in eternal life is not like that. It's a hope that we can count on. It's a hope that we can look forward to. It's a hope that is coming. Each day we get closer to it. It's approaching. It's a hope that will happen because Jesus rose from the dead. Here's what our hope means. Our hope is certain. It's certain. Now that doesn't mean that we won't experience death in this life. It doesn't mean that we won't die physically, right? It doesn't mean that we won't be hurt or saddened by death in this world and in this life, but here's what it means. We don't fear death. We don't fear death. Death is no longer our enemy. Death is no longer our adversary. Death has lost its grip and its power. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. Look at how poetic this is, but look at how true and how powerful this is. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? And what Paul is saying here is that Jesus' resurrection completely overthrew death. Think about it. Death was in power. Death was in charge. Death was reigning. Death was king of the mountain. And Jesus came in and knocked death out of power. And not only did Jesus beat sin and death, but he crushed it. He crushed it. Genesis 3.15, all the way back at the beginning, says of our enemy that you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. Meaning you may hurt him, but in the end he'll destroy you. You know, look, Jesus defeated sin on the cross, and he defeated death by the resurrection. Can we beat those two enemies by ourselves? No. The two things that we can never, ever beat, that we can never, ever go up against or do anything about, Jesus defeated. He demolished. He crushed. And look, I know we encounter hardships. I know we encounter pain and difficulty. I know we encounter sadness. And I know for some of you this year, you will. There will be things in your life that will be hard this year. But listen to me. Because Jesus lives, we always have something to look forward to. No matter how bad life gets. You see. The resurrection gives us confidence in our future. It gives us hope that we will have a victorious eternity. But it also does this. Okay. It gives us hope that we can live victoriously until we get there, right? The resurrection gives us hope for tomorrow, but what does it give us for today? Peace. It gives us peace for today. Last thing I want to share with you. Jesus' new life means my life can be restored. 
Okay? Uh, Jesus came to die for our sins, but he also came to restore our lives. He came to bring peace to our mess. He came to repair what was broken. And what that means is that despite of sin, we can be made whole. We can be restored. Despite of all of our failures, all of our setbacks, all of our weaknesses, despite all the times that we sinned against God, the resurrection means that we can be made complete. Now I want to talk just a second about Peter, about a guy named Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, closest disciples. Uh, I, I like Peter. I like the way Paul thinks. I really like reading Paul. But I relate more to Peter, don't you? He looks more like us, in my opinion. He, he showed signs of tremendous faith, Remarkable faith, but many times he showed weakness, he showed doubt, and he showed his struggle with sin. Anybody struggle with those things? Yeah, everybody. Anybody ever deny Jesus to his face? Nobody, right? Well, guess what? Peter did. He did. Not just once, but three times. Which, by the way, Jesus predicted he would do that too. So after the resurrection, how do you think Peter felt? And he probably felt bad before. But after, just imagine that. Imagine that. So just like in the angel's message to the ladies, he said, Go ahead to Galilee. Jesus will meet you there. They meet up in Galilee. He, he catches up with the disciples. They're on the shore after they had finished this meal together that Jesus had prepared, Jesus spent a few moments alone with Peter. Just, just imagine that. Imagine that situation. Peter's probably still struggling, feeling broken, feeling defeated in that moment. John twenty one fifteen. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, he's not talking about fish. <laughs> you know, they caught a lot of fish. He's not saying, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than these, these guys? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And if you're Peter, what are you thinking? What's going through your head? Man, I feel really bad right now. I feel terrible. I feel so guilty. And look at what Jesus called him. Simon, son of John. Did he call him Peter? Didn't. See, Peter was a given name after Peter started growing stronger in his faith. He, Jesus takes him all the way back to who he was when he first met Jesus. He's talking to the old Peter. The, the broken Peter, the hurting Peter, the doubting Peter. Jesus said, if you love me, I can use you. And Jesus charged Peter with feeding his lambs, which mean, meant to take care of his people, of his followers, to be a shepherd. And look at verse 16. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, take care of my, my sheep. You see, Jesus said the same thing again, and he gave him the same charge. Now, what's Simon thinking now? What's Peter thinking now? Well, this is awkward. You know, he's repeating what he just, he just said. What's, what's wrong with this guy? Verse 17, the third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then, then a light bulb comes on in Peter's head. And he knows what Jesus is doing here. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, and, and he just had to admit this, Lord, now you know all things. You know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. Now, what was Jesus doing here with Peter? He was restoring him completely. You see, with each question, Jesus was reversing each denial of Peter until he was completely restored He was restoring Peter because he loved him, because he had a purpose for him. Because of his resurrection, he was able to give Peter new life and new purpose. You know, there's this show on TV. Um, I don't watch a lot of HGTV or DIY, whatever. Some of you do. But there's one show that I like called Barnwood Builders. Anybody watch that? It's a great show. It's a a local crew out of uh, south, southern West Virginia. You know, and what they do is they, they look for log homes or old barns that are run down, beat up, not being used. And they go in and they, they acquire, they purchase the barn uh, or the log home. They take what's not being used, what's ugly, what's beat down. And what do they do? If you watch it, they do the same thing every time. They take it down piece by piece. One at a time. And then what do they do? Put it back in use. Repurpose it. Piece by piece. One one at a time. And the finished product is just, you know, I can't believe that came from this. You know. That's what Jesus can do to each one of us because of the resurrection. He, He wants to give us new life. He wants to restore us and he wants to repurpose us. Some of you think this, and I know this, and you might be thinking this right now, that you cannot be used by God. That you've done too much in the past to be useful. That you've made too many mistakes to be any good. What's the point now? I'm too old. I should just give up. You know what? That's not true at all. And that's the enemy talking to you. The resurrection changes each and every day, changes our lives each and every day. You know, my life, I want to open up to you this morning. I've opened up to you before. I've struggled with this. I've been a Christian a long time, since I was eight years old, but I've struggled. With my faith, I've struggled with the Christian walk. There was a time where I didn't deny Jesus with my mouth, but I did with my life. You see, I think all of us have been there. And then I started, this is a long time ago, 
started feeling God pulling me into a new life, a ministry life type of thing, being called into something, and I'm thinking, no, I can't. I messed up. I'm done. I'm toast. You know, I grew up in a conservative family, conservative churches. I was around this environment. Nobody really judged me or mistreated me, but there was just this thought of, man, once you've done too much, you're done. You can't. You're not useful anymore. You're hypocritical if you you go into that. I was questioning whether or not I could be useful, and I, I was questioning if I still even had a purpose. You know, am I just here to be just an average Christian? Just the resurrection is the reason that I'm here right now, here, doing this. And I thought, of a, I thought of a quote, and this is weird because it's a quote from me. You ever quoted yourself? <laughs> Feels weird. Um, but some of you might think I'm strange. Biblically, this isn't strange at all. Uh, God speaks to me. All right, some of you are about to say, whoa, what's he about to say? Look, God should speak to all of you in different ways if you're a Christian. Okay? Sometimes God speaks to me, and it's a thought, or it's a couple sentences, but what I have to do is write it down. And I have to get that out, and, and, and that is... That is God ministering to me in that moment. And sometimes God puts it on my heart to bring something to you. This whole miraculous thing is where that comes from. It's just kind of like a a feeling from God and and start writing things out. But so a long time ago in my life when I was just feeling beat up and I I was thinking about going into ministry and I was back and forth and I wrote this down. God gave me this. Not to toot my own horn, but to glorify God and maybe help you out. The Christian life works best when you don't beat yourself up or pat yourself on the back. It's somewhere in the middle where you see your need for Jesus and your realization that he has and will continue to restore your life to be used for his glory. Isn't that good? Uh, That was years ago. And, uh, you know, it's almost as if God gave me that to give to you today. The Christian life isn't a checklist. I felt like that before. It isn't trying to do more good things in a day than bad things. It's living every single day like you're there on that beach. And Jesus and Peter, it's every day going back to there. And it's allowing Jesus to minister you, to love you, to nurture you. As you come to him in your brokenness, he restores you every day. Look, the cross dealt with your sin and the resurrection is what restores you to new life. Each day, we're Christians, folks. Each day we need to live in light of the resurrection and what that means. Look, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are right now in your walk with God, because of the cross and because of the resurrection, you can be restored to new life. 
So you see, as we close, the resurrection of Jesus means so much. So much. When we think about it, our past, our present, and our future are all covered. Does anything else in this life have more significance than that? The resurrection means that we can be sure of our faith. It means we can have confidence in our salvation. It means that we can be certain of our future. And it means that we can be restored to new life today. In other words, because Jesus lives, the resurrection means everything to me. Well, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a wonderful message. Such a marvelous message that was proclaimed by a grave over 2,000 years ago from an angel. And we are proclaiming that message right now, today, that Jesus is alive. Father, what a life-changing truth. Father, as we look at the resurrection, we can see Jesus and see that he was proven, his life and ministry, that he was who he said he was. And that we can look at his life and trust in following him, trust in listening to him. Even when it's something that we don't necessarily like or want to hear, we need to understand that that is what you want us to see. And that is what you want us to hear. Father, help us understand that the the resurrection gave the cross meaning, that our sins are paid in full, that we can be assured of our salvation. We don't have to guess. I know sometimes we have doubts and things like that, but we never, ever, ever have to doubt our salvation because of the resurrection. And Father, the resurrection means that we can be restored to new life. That we don't have to live this life feeling defeated. That when we mess up, that you're there to to welcome us to your arms. To have a sit down with us. To show us love. To minister to us. And then to restore us and put us back into use to glorify you. That's what the resurrection means. And then because of the resurrection, no matter how bad this life gets no matter what this life throws at us we always have joy and we always have something great something magnificent something that we could never imagine something that is beyond our imagination we have that to look forward to spending eternity with you our heavenly father all because of the resurrection we're so thankful for that in Christ's holy name we pray today. Amen.